Hello and welcome back to the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. I'm Luke and I'm joined by... Ben. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Um, I had a, had a sl- not a great start to the weekend. Oh, no. uh, I think I had a bad reaction to a takeaway, so my, my Saturday was a write-off. Oh, what sort of takeaway was it? It was a Nando's as well, which you'd imagine to be... Oh. You'd think it'd be pretty safe, but... Well, it might not have been that. But it's not COVID. I've been tested. Everybody, it's fine. I'm, oh, I'm negative. Um, but yeah, so it's sat, my, my knowledge of Saturday's games is, is po- possibly poor. But on obviously, I haven't been able to go to work the last few days because I've been waiting for my test to get back. So I've just been sweating Sunday's games and catching up on Saturdays. So I should have enough knowledge to get me by. Now, oh, even this now. Oh yeah, I'm good, mate. Uh... Not much going on in the world of Ben at the moment. Just chilling, um, taking it slow. Got I went back to work today. Good times, I guess. Not really, but good times. It's all right. My manager, my new manager, seems a bit weird, but you know. Hopefully, he's not listening. I'm sure she won't be. <laughs> um, right then, let's, uh, let's get into it. Um, Burnley Arsenal was the first first game of the weekend. Uh, oh, oh, oh god <laughs> yeah this seemed like such an odd game whilst I was watching well like watching what was going on because I was in an eye on Twitter for most of the games this weekend just so I could say a bit more because you know why not and the, I think the main talking point of the game is Granite Xhaka just had a shocker yeah I, I've I, what, I looked at that and I've the first thing I think Leno I don't know why Leno gives him to the ball there. He's on his penalty spot. He's facing his own goal and he's got three players around him. So he has been stitched up a bit. But when you're on your penalty spot, you don't try and be clever and trip it over Chris Wood. You just get it out anywhere. But so yeah, he's been yeah, stitched up. But then after he's been stitched up, he has got the time to solve the problem. And he doesn't. It's just one of those moments where you just get it out. You don't... Yeah. Grant Xhaka looked like he was trying to go for something special there as well. Uh, yeah. And the only it's and, and Arsenal aren't on they're not swimming in points at the moment. So they need need the three points when they can get them. They seemed a bit unlucky really. I think well they definitely were unlucky. I, I don't know how they didn't get a single penalty in that game. Um, I know. Handballed <laughs> it twice I think and neither attempt was Picked up by well, the well, he got, he got the, there was the handball which was blatant handball and nothing yeah, got given. Right. Then, he did it twice, and then there. he got sent off. Then he got sent off for handball, which actually wasn't handball, which was cleared off the line by his shoulder. So, and that got rescinded, so didn't get given a red in the oh, end. And he almost scored an absolute banger. <laughs> he, he had a carnage of a game, and then Sabios hits the post in the last minute. Is Arsenal had chances, but. And, and yeah, you could say a bit unlucky. I think um, Aubameyang, I really enjoyed his goal. I think it was very, very clever. It was probably a bit lucky to go in, I guess. I don't know. Pope looked like he had a bit of a hand on it. Yeah, I, I think Pope should do better for me. I think we've seen it before. When it when I saw that, like it was the first time a bit of doubt was coming to my head about, hmm, I'm not sure. Uh, I know I've placed him ridiculously high in my... Uh, goalkeeper rankings, but I'm like, oh, yeah. when I see that going at his near post and he gets a hand to it, I'm thinking, I've mm-hmm. seen him do that before. 
it's a shot at his near post. He's got a strong end to it and it's still gone in. Yeah, I think he has done that a couple of times this season and in the past, of course. I think it's just, you know, it's one of those things. So, Like, sometimes it'll go in, sometimes it won't. You know, uh, Saka looked all right as well. Willian got another assist. But apart from that, I think Burnley played the classic Burnley style. Um, on Arsenal, what, what are your overall thoughts on Arteta? Uh, I think you can... Realistically... He seems like I think he's the right fit for the job. You've got to give him a bit of time to come into it. Um, I just that, think they seem to just be struggling for consistency, and they're sat they're sat in tenth place. That, but is that enough? Should he be doing better? It's I think well no I know he should be doing better because realistically Arsenal are one of the you know they're one of the bigger clubs in England. I know, like we said the other day, history doesn't really mean anything. But I just sort of feel like if you're going to have this this team, because they have more superstars in that team than the majority of teams in the league, I'd say, they just need to use them better or get rid of them. Like, I don't know. I think what the thing I've always respected about Arsenal is they do use their youth players quite well, I think. Like they give him a lot of chances, you know. Saka, we've seen a lot of him. Smith Rowe, you know, probably name a few more even. But I just, I don't know. Like, I just think they need to do a bit of a club rebuild, honestly. Yeah, I think they do, and I, I think I don't think their squad is very good. If you look at you look at the sides above them, may you'd say obviously they should probably be above Villa and West Ham, who are sort of the anomalies. But other than that, on paper. Liverpool, no. Tottenham, no. Everton, probably, probably similar. They've got the weakest squad out of the traditional top six. I think a lot of people would probably argue that. Yeah, and, and then and then weaker than Leicester and Everton. Or, or the starting eleven, anyway, is for me. Uh, definitely weaker than Leicester. Everton, like you said a second ago, I think relatively equal. You know, they've both got some decent players in there. But I'd say Arsenal are the better team. I'd like Leno's a better keeper than Pickford, in my opinion. Uh, Defence has probably gone to Everton. Well, no, it's definitely gone to Everton this year. Midfield uh, to Everton as well with Decore, uh, Allen, and Allen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, d- I don't know. Sorry about that. Um, it's just, I don't know. Some of the some of, you see Arsenal sometimes, and they they play really well, and then it's just like you said a second ago. The consistency is the problem for me, and I, I don't. There's not really anything you can do. You just got to keep playing well, and if you're not, then you obviously can't pick up a run of form. But at the end of last season, they seemed to pick up a bit of a decent run of form, in my eyes. Anyway, you know, after after the lockdown, yeah. they came in. They beat City. They beat Liverpool. They beat Chelsea. I don't know. They need a bit of a, a club rebuild, in my eyes. Yeah, I think so. I, I, to be honest, I do, I do agree that I think Arteta will be the man. Give him a bit of patience and he, he will start to move the club forward. Yeah, I think just time and a bit of investment as well. And yeah. that's all you can really ask for. Might change in a few years if Aubameyang's out out of the way because, I don't know, he seems to be involved in a lot of the problems Arsenal have. Uh, I don't know. I think if it was me, I'd just offload a lot of the dead dead wood really I think Xhaka's on there 
they, they just seem to pay a lot of wages for a lot of players you, you could argue are a bit past it. You know, Xhaka, Willian, um, I had another one. And the, the, problem, the problem with those is the wages are so high, nobody's going to offer them more. Uh, so so Willian and like Xhaka, they're just happy to sit out and run their contracts down. Willian especially. Yeah, and and they, don't need to, they don't need to move. So they don't, they don't need to play well. They can just sit there for two years and and take the money. Yeah, well, I think recently, anyway, Arsenal made the right decision in offloading Ozil. Just, yeah, I can't tell. You, I can't remember if he's on loan or he's been transferred out. But you know, it's it's the right. It's a it's a step in the right direction. I I would argue Arsenal are making good progress because they did manage yeah. to bring in um, Sabayas back on loan in the summer. They also managed to keep. Um, they also managed to bring in Partey. Um, yeah. They've still got the power, I'd, I'd argue, of like a top English team. They just need to start playing like it because this could go out the window sooner rather than later if they don't. Yeah. Because you'd okay. be more than to Leicester than Arsenal at the moment, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, then. Uh, the next game is uh, Southampton versus Sheffield United. Um, and a, a game that really couldn't have come at a better time for Southampton. Yeah, I agree. Um Really struggling, aren't they? Recently, yeah. anyway, it was ten games yeah. without a win. Yeah, a win, and yeah, just just needed a a, a bit of a boost, which uh, Sheffield United can be for many teams at the moment. Um, obviously, got the got the win against Villa in the week, but other than that, there hasn't been too many glimmers of hope from them. So this was a a really good game for Southampton just to get back to winning ways and not have to worry about worry about anything for the rest of the season and sort of just go ahead and relax and play their game pretty much. Yeah, I agree. Um, any team coming up against Sheffield United are probably, you know, feeling lucky, really. Um, they're one of the teams that we've actually managed to beat in 2021 as a Liverpool <laughs> fan. Uh, you know, there's only like really, like you say, a couple games that you can really think of that is look you'd be happy with as a, a Sheffield United fan. I know you'd obviously be happy with any any game if you want it, but like, you know, proper happy was probably against United and uh, like you said, Villa as well. It's just, it's just like you want to come up against Sheffield United at the moment and Southampton have showed us why. Uh, don't think they played incredibly either anyway. They made a few mistakes, you know, a bit sloppy on the ball, but someone who didn't make a mistake in his goal was Shea Adams. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's that sort of sealed it. And it, yeah, it wasn't the most convincing of victories, but I, I'd say it was, it was quite comfortable. Didn't give away too too many chances. Um, I thought Tell, Teller looked good. He's like he's yeah. he's twenty one. He's come into the side recently as his first start, and he's looked bright. Um, and m- more importantly, Carl Walker Peters was back, which sort of allows, even though they haven't really changed the system, um, it allows them to have all the players in the right positions now. Um, yeah. Which just obviously helps. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to talk about is um, in the build up to the game. There's been a, a lot of talk about Chris Wilder, whether he'll be at Sheffield United next season in the Championship. Of course, um, yeah. he, he seems like he he wants to be there, but he he needs a bit more power. He said he, he said a few players need to go, but I I think he wants more of an input of who can come in, and, and I think he wants more investment because if you think about it. 
you'd say how many players will get picked off? Maybe Egan and O'Connell, uh, maybe Berg, Burge will go um, to a Premier League club. I've never really understood the hype around him, but uh, and then obviously Ampadu will go back to Chelsea. Um, so they, they'll lose a few. Um, he said he needs to get rid of a few. And looking at the, the fans' forums, uh, it looks like some favourites from last year, Lundstrom, McBurney, Stevens, um, all, all not hated by the fans, but sort of they're, they're wanted out. Um, yeah. But also, uh, he's, he's just sort of, if you look at the squad, there's a few good championship players in there. You'd imagine Brewster, if they can keep hold of him in the, in the summer, then in a championship, he should thrive and he could really build off his confidence again. Um, but they haven't, I don't think they've got really good championship squad. And, and if they do, if he doesn't get the investment that he wants, then I could see Sheffield United just being stuck in the championship for a fair few seasons. So I think it is a really important summer for Sheffield United with or without Wilder. But I, I do think they need some investment. Do you not sort of feel like Sheffield United have had their had their fun now, though, in, a, in like a weirdy way. Um, a lot of people sort of seem to believe that they were just having a couple of seasons of like, you know, really, really good times. Um, they didn't spend much at all, did they, going into the Premier League season when they first got promoted and they managed yeah. to get what? Where was they? Eighth, was it? They finished last season seventh? Yeah. Um, yeah, I they but they, they spent quite a bit in this summer. They got obviously Brewster cost quite a bit. Yeah, twenty five million Brewster. So they, they have spent a bit of money. Um, obviously, none of the signings that they've made, you could say, have, have really made that much of an impact. I think the best signing that they've made this season is probably Ampadu, and he's only on loan. Um, yeah. Did give away the a. Uh... Didn't he give away a penalty? Yeah, yeah. To, that was Teller that won that as well. So, I hate who impressed yeah. me, like we said. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it will be very... I'm very interested to see at Sheffield United next season because I, 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 uh, I don't know. I'm torn whether I think they'll... If, if they give Wilder the power, you'd say they that they, they could maybe bounce back again. But having said that, if if uh, you don't know how much influence Wilder's had on the transfers, but say, presuming that he he has picked the players that he wants to sign, yeah, they, they haven't they haven't worked out great. So it is. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens there next season. Yeah, I agree. It should be interesting, and I do quite like Sheffield United. So hopefully they don't just end up like some of the teams we've seen about, uh, fall out of the Premier League when you know Wolves, Sunderland have gone down twice, haven't they? Yeah. Just got to hope that they can hold on and hopefully come back to form, really. Yeah. Um, okay, then, then talking, of, talking of Wolves, um, we'll go into uh, uh, the uh, Midlands derby, if you like, um, mm-hmm. which was which was not the, not the best of games. Uh, Nil-nil. I think Villa had the better of the first half. Uh, Wolves had the better of the second half. Um, but yeah, uh, Watkins started off well. He hit the bar f- from long range. That's just, I think that's the seventh time he's hit the, hit the bar or the woodwork this season, which is more than anybody else. Yes. Um, and then Concert also hit the bar. And a lot of people saying Villa fans more than anybody else, but 
a lot of hype around concert at the moment for Villa, um, saying he's potentially better than Ing- uh, Ings, Mings. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> and and if if uh, if any, if either of the Villa centre backs were to be going to the Euros, then perhaps it would be it should be concert ahead of Mings. Yes, um, I've got a fair few Villa fans who are for friends. A lot of them do think that Conser is better. Um, I just, I do think Wolves, I just struggle to see how they didn't get at least a goal. Like, you know, there's no saying that, you know, if Wolves had scored that Villa wouldn't get another goal back or something. But Wolves had a golden opportunities and just couldn't finish the dinner. I think that's down to two things. Poor finishing, especially in the size situation we that's been labelled miss of the season so far. Yeah, that was horrific, wasn't it? That was absolutely terrifying. Ter- uh, not terrifying. It was awful, yeah, in a word. Um, see Connor Cody's face when he just puts it in. He's like, this is a goal, you know? No. I don't know how he missed it. I think when I saw it, I was like, oh, he thinks he's a defender. He's tried to get rid of the ball there, you know? Yeah. But I, think I mean, you can, you can argue he's on the stretch, but even... On the stretch, you just can't shoot from that you, distance. That it's harder to get that height on it that he has yeah. than not to put it in. It feels like it would just need a touch because Emmy Martinez was known to be seen in that situation. Yeah. Um, talking of him, he made some good saves. Uh, yeah, like, really. He got another clean sheet, obviously, but he was probably one of the Villa's better players as well, I'd, I'd argue, um, in the Pedro Neto effort. He, yeah, and also the Connor Cody one right at the end as well, which was an incredible save from point blank range. I thought Connor Cody was going to score again, nearly scored a pretty decent goal because he, he controlled it well. It's just, you know, I just don't get how they didn't pop a goal in. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, Martinez definitely um, one of Villa's better players, especially with uh, Grealish out. And I think. With Grealish out, it's just you just see the difference in Villa. As much as they were quite promising and the better side in the first half, they just just lacked anything really. Um, like that that little bit of spark and any hope of European football is really it, it just rests on Grealish's shoulders. Really, seems like it's going out at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I, it depends. If if they can get Grealish back soon in, in the next few games, then you never know what could happen. But yeah, without him in the team, there's there's not really a chance. Um, that his importance is, is crucial. Um, I don't really think it's what you really want. You probably don't want your whole team to revolve around a single player. But you know, when that player is as good as Grealish, you, and considering the rest of the team aren't as good as some Premier League teams' players, uh, you haven't really got much choice. I guess you know you're not going to just you can't leave the star player out because you want the rest of the team to get better. You need to play him when you can, if you have any yeah, hope yeah. of doing what you do. Uh, I think they're in a struggle for Denver as well. When they when they do get big injuries, there's not a lot of re- replacements. I think the Morgan Sanson's come in and he's been quite good. Um, but other, like, other than that, like if big players go go out injured, they haven't yeah. got big. They haven't got names to replace them. What so Grealish or Watkins gets injured or, or cash, even yeah seen. even cash yeah um, 
Pashko out. I think the player they've had to play is out El Amadi. I don't know. Yeah. And he's just he's just got no game really for the Prem. Uh yeah, depth is definitely an issue for Villa and hopefully they can sort it out. Yeah, uh but, oh just one thing on Wolves, it's weird. I've I've seen a lot of Wolves fans getting increasingly frustrated with Nuno. Um despite the results picking up. I I, I thought it was getting it was getting a bit poor. They've, they've it's not exciting at the moment, but they're not getting. But they are picking up results. But still, yeah, they they're, they're just frustrated with the with the football, and they, I think they're sort of thinking that Nuno's not and, letting the players express themselves as much as they can. And especially in the first half, it seems like they go, they try and get to half time level, and then sort of play from there. Yeah, I think Wolves have been experimental this season. Um, they famously last couple of seasons they've had five at the back, you know, played a lot through Jean Moutinho and Neves in the middle. Jean Moutinho is obviously kicking on a bit now. He's Raul's obviously been out all seat well for quite a majority of the season. That's a that's the biggest loss. But I don't think Nuno's to blame really. I think you know it's a, it's multi, multiple things. Wolves have played. They've overachieved, really, the last couple of seasons. I think a lot of Wolves fans would happily admit that. Um, you know, getting Europa League is fantastic achievement after your first season. They had to play an awful lot of games last season. I think they've played the most in the whole of Europe. Or definitely yeah. in England, anyway. Yeah, but, those European qualifiers can really kill you. Especially their squad, like Villa, it's not, it's not deep. Yeah, exactly. They've just... I think it's more about players, really. Like, they lost Diogo Jota, who's a big player for them. Uh, but realistically, the biggest problem I'd have as a Wolves fan, if I was one, would be the lack of Adama Traore, really, because he's playing. He's just not. He doesn't seem like the Adama Traore that people know. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think it was. I, I think the hype about Adama Traore is always. He sort of he burst onto the on on sort of onto the scene with a, like a, a run of games that was really good. But yeah. Other than that, I don't think he's ever been prolific in, in scoring or assisting. I agree. I think it's just because of the way he plays, it's so exciting that when everyone saw it and you and you get the clips of where he runs through five players and wins a foul. But, yeah. other, but that, that's always been there. But I, I just don't think he's ever really had that in his game, that he's been that good. So I think, yeah, I just don't ever think... I think he's just got a lot of pace and that's about and, and strength. Awesome. And I think that's yeah. it. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I'd agree completely. I don't think he's, I just, I didn't really tend to get the hype uh, last year. He played well with Jimenez on the end of it. I think they formed a mini partnership, really, getting a lot of each other's crosses and, you know, passes and all that. But I think, really, if you want to really, look at a Wolves player who's played well this season, you've got to look at Neto because I think he's underrated as hell. If he was at a top six team, he would be, you know, considered as one of the top youths in the Prem. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll definitely uh, be one of the next next one that probably could be snapped up, maybe even in the summer. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where he'd go, but I can definitely see him uh, being poached at some point soon. Yeah, if Wolves can hold on to him, they've done well. <laughs> yeah, so on to the next thing. Yeah, in the uh, previous episode, I was talking about my 
my ambitions for Brighton, they'll be uh, in going into European competition in within a couple of seasons. Um, but they're going to struggle with that if they're, if they're in a championship. They look a bit more relegation-worthy, really, I'd say, mate. Uh, yeah, same with Fulham now, aren't they? Yeah, with yeah. The outside, outside the uh, relegation zone on goal difference. But it's just the same old story. They started brightly again. Lana was uh, good in the first half, especially. He scored the goal. Um, and you think, oh my God, what's going on? Brighton has scored. Um, uh, but it's not enough. He had, he had a header off the post um, at La Lana, which is 2-0. It's a different game, but it's rare that you see Brighton go 2-0 up. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and then he had another second-half chance, uh, which shot too close to Schmeichel. Um, but Leicester's, Leicester's first goal was oh, a lovely uh, lovely pass from Tielemans, a uh, no-look pass into yeah, Ianacho. Um, Ianacho, which was... Related to my other unpopular opinion, which um, that Vardy won't uh, won't be missed too much when he's gone. Um, I did say they need to replace him with even Tony, but Ianacho and Vardy now level on. I mean, this is a I'm making the stat help me by saying it's non penalty goals in all competitions, but they are level on goals in that respect. Um, but yeah, that 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 was got got Leicester back into the game, and then Sanchez makes his first big Brighton mistake, um, and it's a costly one because Leicester win the game from that, and all points count for Brighton at the moment. Um, yeah, well, keeping up with the game as it was going on, I was sort of feeling like, oh dear, maybe I disrespected Sanchez when when we did our keeper ranking video a few weeks back. Uh, thankfully for me, he made a bit of an error, which sort of made me look a bit more clever, but. Uh, you know, it's just like what we've been saying. We haven't really seen enough of him to properly judge his actual level. But I just, like you say, he made his first error, which it was a bit... I wouldn't really class it as like a massive error either. Uh, yeah, he's just, just coming... He's flapped it across, hasn't he? Yeah, it just smart play from a Marty, really, because I'd say 80% of the time, nobody's there to pick it up. Uh, they almost had a penalty as well, didn't Leicester? Quite late on, yeah. Lewis Dunk went in. It was it was dodgy. Yeah, you, like I don't know. I, I wasn't. I think Lewis Dunk's not got away with it because I don't think he has touched him fully. But he's he's lunging and he's got nowhere near the ball, so he's just lucky that he hasn't made too much contact with the player. I think Leicester seem like they're coming down a bit off their form. Yeah, I uh, I, they... I worry about Leicester, um, especially. I, it's a really good win for them because. Especially when they went one 0 down, I thought, "Oh no, this this could be like yeah. the turning point." We saw them last season drop out the top four, but you've got the teams that were, Chelsea are currently tuning up against Everton. But Chelsea, Everton, West Ham, um, I can't remember, Spurs, uh, obviously got to put Liverpool in that conversation. All <laughs> all nipping at the heels of Leicester, and that that's that's a lot of teams with a lot of quality and. They've got to keep all of those behind them and with their injuries, Madison and Barnes both out at the moment, which are like their two biggest creative threats. I, I do worry. Their fixtures aren't too bad, which which helps them. But I, I worry about the Leicester and I don't know if we could see a, a repeat of last season. Um, I think the thing is, this seems to have happened last season as well for Leicester when they started the season brilliantly. You know, we're in the top four, top four, top four. 
after the lockdown, they definitely dropped off a bit. Um, this sort of game happened last year, I think it was against Everton, when Leicester were trailing and got a, a goal in like the last minute. I think it was Ian Atchie who actually scored that. But I don't know. As we saw with City, things have to come to an end, don't they? So could this be the time where it starts to slow down for Leicester and potentially come for an end where they start dropping off a bit in terms of their form? I don't know. Yeah, I think that the one benefit they might have, if you if you look at the amount of injuries they've had, is that now they don't have Europe, European football. So they they can hopefully get those players back fit and not throw them into as many games as they've been having to previously. Yeah, definitely. International not... as well. So hopefully if if that if Madison and Barnes aren't called up because they're injured, I, th- I think they'll both miss it. Then they, that's another week that they don't have to miss, get, miss a game because they won't obviously be playing. True, yeah. Um, I guess it just depends on how many players get selected by Leicester for their national teams. And the one thing I just want to add about that thing about Europa League, uh, do you not... If you were a Leicester fan, would you not be disappointed? I'd be gutted. I'd be really gutted. I think uh, Leicester had a really good chance in that. There's there's some good teams in that, but I don't think there's any teams in there that on on their day Leicester couldn't beat. And I think that was a really good opportunity to get a European trophy. And there's not that many opportunities that any team gets to to win one. And definitely in the manner that they've gone out, I, I'd be gutted if I was a Leicester fan. Yeah. Yeah. Going going from the top of the table right down to the bottom uh, and I think we had this last week as well where you say if you look at a game before and say which of those games is going to be nil-nil it's going to be I can't remember who it was was it Burnley Newcastle or something like that uh, said, yeah. and then this week look at a game before and after what's going to be nil-nil it's going to be West Brom Newcastle and it was um, it, which just sums up more West Prom and Newcastle at the moment, and I I didn't really have anything to say about the game. Um, no, or about the managers. I think uh, Steve Bruce is under increasing pressure from the fans and even from the players. I think he's had a a bust up with Matt Ritchie, and there's other rumours flying about in the dressing room. Um, and he even came out under the press to say that he did have like a a bit of conflict with I think it was Ritchie. Um. But yeah. it just seems like a bit of a mess. But I think the benefit for Bruce and uh, and not anyone else, it's only for Bruce and nothing else around Newcastle, is Mike Ashley is quite happy for Newcastle to finish 17th every season and him keep collecting the Premier League money. As long as they stay on goal difference every single season, that's good enough for him. That's all he needs. So <laughs> I, I don't think Bruce is in any danger while... Uh, Newcastle can can survive, but it's just whether or not they can survive, and if Ashley acts too late. Yeah, Newcastle just—they're obviously out without a few players at the moment. There was no Wilson, no Saint Max, but no Almiron either, which is a lot of energy. That's like that's your probably your three biggest creative threats, and your obviously your goal scorer. Yeah, but like you keep saying, like they're not even in seventeenth now; they're in sixteenth. They're above um, Brighton who they've both each got a game in hand, but, you know, credit where it's due, Fulham are 18th, and they've probably had a better season, really, than Newcastle in a weird way. I can't really see how many, how Newcastle have actually managed to keep this many points. I know. He's, like, I just, 
I I keep it's just the Brighton thing that confuses me. Like I'm praising them every week, and then I'm looking at the table. I'm like, they are they are the least safe out of everyone at the moment. Yeah. For obviously, except the bottom three. But it's I I can see Newcastle going down. I really can. I think it's Newcastle Fulham on the last day of the season. So that's a huge game if it does go down to the last game of the season. It could exactly. be between those two teams. Exactly, mate. I I I just. I don't mind Newcastle. But I just think they've got to play better with, and they can't rely on s- these players because they've got a decent team, really. Oh, I don't know. I think if they were to go down, they'd probably lose a lot of their players, is what I think. I can't see St. Max knocking around in the championship. I can't see Almiron being there. Callum yeah, Wilson. I think, yeah, I think Almiron, yeah, those three. But other than those three, obviously um, Willick will go back. I don't... Do they lose many more than that? Oh, I don't know. Like, can you see... I could see a few teams coming in for Dubravka, maybe. Uh, yeah, Lascelles. Maybe. Uh, I just think... I, maybe not. I can only see Lascelles stays there just because he's captain. But yeah, I think maybe he's, maybe he's good. Got He could go. He's good enough to get playing the Premier League probably but I just think Newcastle are another club that, that I think they needed a change in, or need quickly if they're going to turn their fortunes around but I don't think the squad's actually that good if you take away those three big players and obviously if you take any club's three best players away then you're in trouble but they really often not a lot they did have the better of the chances but they just don't look like scoring them and I think on the the West Brom side of things, I think it's a it's two goals in their last six games. Uh, the Allardyce has been able to drag out a few results, but I just it's just a bit bit of a dull season that's turned into a bit of nothingness. Really, like the eight points adrift. Had they not have got Allardyce in and they stuck with Billich, would it have been that much difference? Probably not. And now they probably go to the end of the season. They go down. They probably have to. Allardyce will probably end up going anyway at the end of the season. They make another change rather than maybe with a better idea to just stick with Billich, maybe take the hit and go down and then build on it again, like we're seeing Norwich do at the moment, and bounce back up again. Yeah, I think I did say at the time I thought the sacking of Billich was a bit harsh. You know, he'd had some all right results. Uh, I don't know, maybe they brought Allardyce in too quickly. Allardyce has seemed as a bit of a survival merchant in the Prem, but I can't really see how he's going to do this, even somebody of Allardyce's calibre um, in survival anyway, but I don't know. I can't see him sticking around. He doesn't probably won't want to mess up his record of never being relegated yeah, from the Prem. I can see him getting to one game before the end but, of the season and then just leaving so that he doesn't have to count the relegation on his record. On to... Um... On to Liverpool Fulham. Oh, we don't. Um, we don't have to, mate. Yeah, I'm, I've, I'm, you know what? I've got, I've got a, I've got a rant for Jurgen Klopp. I'm not happy with him. Well, I am happy with him because it's good. To, yeah, it's good to see uh, Liverpool uh, slipping up a bit. Um, but I've, I've, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at him. I'm gonna tell him what he's doing wrong because I think it's, it's been, it was stupid what he's done. I think his his team selection was oh. was extreme. It was ridiculous. He's either he's either thrown the towel in with the yeah, he made some changes. 
Yeah, he's either thrown the towel in with the league already or he's got absolutely no respect for Fulham. He's played Williams and Phillips on the right-hand side of that defence, which was shredded by Lugman, which you knew was going to happen the second you saw it. His midfield had no creativity. Milner was purely in there to shout and protect Phillips and Williams, which which didn't work. I've never been impressed by Keita. Wijnaldum was quiet. And then he's not played Mane, suggesting that he's got all eyes on a, on a Leipzig tie, which they're already 2-0 up in. When they can eat, they could have played. They could have played Trent, Fabinho, Mane, Jones, and maybe even Thiago, got at Fulham, and then took a bit of confidence into that Leipzig game, which they should be confident with a 2-0 lead ahead of. But now they go into it with this monkey on their back. Thing. Uh, instead of having a bit of confidence and, and not having to worry about it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I was really a bit baffled with what was going on in the when I saw the team sheet. I did think maybe he's just resting players for this this uh, Champions League tight. It's also in Hungary again, so they'll have to travel. Uh, I know it's the home yeah, fixture, yeah. but it's not actually at field. But um, yeah, I, I thought maybe he's resting players, but I don't know. Maybe it's hard to say because. It was it was quite exciting to see Diogo Jota back in the team. You know, one of the probably the best player in Liverpool's team, really, for what people were actually expecting. Like, obviously, Salah's top goal scorer still, and um, apart from that, nobody else really deserves a shout. I'd say at Liverpool Player of the Season, if you ask me now. Yeah, um, yeah it was an odd team selection. But it's just well, he, he had Trent to, and get as much experience. Yeah, he had, in he had Fabinho, he had, he had Trent, he had the options. And I just, and as well as that, even after the selection, he doesn't have any plan B or he's too stubborn to use a plan B. He knows he's got players out and he's still unwilling to change the system. I think I saw something they said that they're pressing 30% less than they were last season. And, and there's, and all the shuffling about, um, and the absence of Henderson obviously is going to in, impact the pressing because you're not you've not got someone calling the shots and of, and and probably the games probably tire him out as well. But that he knows that, so he, he needs to drop the team, yeah. drop the defense back a bit, and 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 change the system slightly because he knows it's not working. He can see what's happening, and and he doesn't want to change it. You see with Pep, I know City's got an incredible amount of players to choose from. And the, the injury problems aren't as severe, but Pep saw the diff, the problems that he had with De Bruyne and Aguero out, and he hates Jesus in bad form. And he changed his system to make a team fit around it because they were in poor form at the start of the season. But he changed it before it was too late, and he, and he made a system that worked for the players that he had available. And Klopp is unwilling to do that at the moment, and that's why I think Liverpool are struggling so much. Not necessarily because of all the millions of injuries they've got. Yeah, I think um, realistically, I'm not going to lie. I I like to be as honest as possible. I don't really think people would be moaning as much about the injury list if Van Dijk wasn't injured. I don't know if I've said that. I've thought that for a while now. Um, if Van Dijk was still knocking about, I think Liverpool fans especially wouldn't have um, as big a problem with the injury list, especially the way that he was injured. Um a lot of people are arguing that potentially Klopp's working his players too hard, which I could definitely see. Um, but realistically, it's just a bit embarrassing now. Six games in a row lost to Anfield after three years without a single loss. You know, it's just it's just awful, really. Um, I don't get why you wouldn't 
incorporate Mane into the team, but maybe we'll choose to use flipping Shakiri. I don't mind Shakiri, but I know Mane's been a bit off form. But when you've got someone of Mane's calibre, you're going to need to play them. He's rapid, he's skillful. You know, he's he has got an eye for, for goal. I just, Firmino wasn't even on the bench. I don't know if he was injured. I haven't really kept up with it this weekend. There's been a lot going on. But it's just, for goodness sake, it's just awful. Yeah, I think I just don't. I, I thought this was a really good opportunity for Liverpool to get a bit back. of the confidence back and that run. But now they go into a really important Champions League game against a decent side, and and they're gonna still and come off another loss. So I just didn't really see why why Klopp's selection and tactics. I don't just I think, don't understand. I I don't want to say it, but I think Klopp could be on his way out soon. Really? Um, I don't know. I think if we if we were to trample out the Champions League on Wednesday, I think that could be it for him. Um, especially a lot of people are calling for Gerard now after he's just won his is a yeah. We'll, we'll get that later as well. Actually, um, yeah, got that in our in our European roundup. But. Uh, um, but no disrespect to Fulham, to be honest. They were they were quality. They looked like they wanted it more. Um, they deserve to win. Uh, definitely. Lamine, good goal. Yeah, he's stolen it off Salah. It's a mistake from Salah, but it's not horrendous. I think a lot of people were slating him for it, but it's it's a difficult one to deal with. Um, he should have just really got rid of it, but he did have his back. Yeah, you know, he's facing goal. It's just ridiculous, really. I, I don't want Klopp to go because I do love him, but it might be time. I don't know. You can't just get rid of somebody. A bit like Sheffield, you know, you can't just get rid of somebody who's done so much for your club so easily. Like, you know, weirdly, Chelsea got rid of Lampard a lot easier. But as well, it's more about who you're going to bring in. Um, Gerard wouldn't just drop everything now because I think he's still in the Europa League, isn't he? With Celt- uh, not Celtic, with Rangers. Yeah, I, I think it's far too early to be to be calling for club, I, I don't even think no matter what happens this season, I, ha- I think you have to give him the start of next season. Um, you hold on to him to the start of next season, would you? I, I, th- I think you you get the, you just write the season off. You give him the transfer window, let him get his players back, let him get get settled again, and they go again for another try and get the title back off City next season. But I, I, I think agree. it's way too early to be calling for managers for for Klopp's head at the moment. I agree completely, honestly. Um, yeah, I just think maybe if we had even Van Dyke back alone, there'd be a lot less fuss going on about the whole situation, in my eyes anyway. Uh, you know, you don't go around getting rid of Klopp so easily anyway, because there's not many managers better in the world, realistically. No one available at the moment anyway, I'd, I'd argue. Um, it just depends what happens in the Champions League really maybe that's why Klopp rested a few players because this is his only real chance of getting anything this season now we've got a 2-0 lead going into the next leg not bad by any means and there are away goals as well uh, yeah. on paper anyway but you know I don't know a lot of people just think maybe he needs to move on but I personally don't think he does yet. I don't think he deserves to be fired by any means. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah. I, I think, I think it's he's having a hard time. I think he's made some strange decisions. But yeah, like, if if he was sacked, no matter what happens before the end of the season, I think it would be incredibly premature. Yeah, and it could look to ruin us a bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, but just quickly on Fulham before we go on to the Manchester derby, I thought Adebayo and uh, Anderson were rock solid at the back. Yeah. Lukman's constantly looked dangerous. Their midfield three of Lamina and Gisa and Reed was strong. It got a bit of everything. Um, and and now that's that's a win that's really really put them back in contention for survival. Um, yeah, fair play. Brighton, Newcastle, and Burnley all within reach of them so it's not like it's just between them and one other team there's a few teams in the mix there that they're really capable of of snatching a survival from yeah although Scott Parker should be relegated purely because of the coat he was wearing which was ridiculously right. um, that has any uh, impact on the league well it should do <laughs> um, but yeah ne- the next uh, game is on to the Man City United, which another derby, was another derby, but a bit of a shock. Um, obviously, City have been on their incredible run, um, but it's it's come to an end. I think if any team was going to take this from them, it probably would be their neighbours. Um, Billy obviously got that correct in his predictions. One of us was guaranteed to get points with me going for the draw. You went for the City win and <laughs> United win, but um, honestly, I didn't really. This is probably the least likely option out of the three. I think if you'd looked at it beforehand, um, again, a lot of people sort of felt like Ollie didn't know what he was doing. But I think, you know, all fair play to United. Uh, the only thing that annoyed me after the game was everyone saying, oh, look, here's Bruno Fernandes. Everybody's saying he doesn't score against the top six. Oh, and then there's just a picture of him after he scored his penalty. I think the thing people were saying was he doesn't get open play goals or assists, and this doesn't count as an open play goal or an assist because he's still still up, yeah, stepped up, but he nearly missed. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't miss. So I think fair enough. He scored. He scored a goal. It's a crucial goal. Um, Twenty-two away games unbeaten now for Man United. yeah. And it says a lot about the Premier League season. You, you, you assume it's been like a, a boring one title race-wise, but we forget at the start of the season it was absolutely carnage because the last time these two played, they were 8th and ninth. Yeah. Um, a lot of the... I think there's been like 10 different teams at the top of the league. This season, yeah. nine. So it's definitely not a boring uh, title challenge by any means. Um, you know, we've seen different stages throughout the start. After the first five games, you could have thought City were going to have another poor season. Now look at them. Uh, yeah, Liverpool were top of the seat, top of the league for a bit. Tottenham also looked likely to challenge at one point. Southampton had a brief spell. <laughs> you know, Arsenal even finished started at the top. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I think when when City got their run going, I think this is just a blip for them. I think. I think they did get a selection wrong. Oh, I don't know. I've just said that I think Pep changed his changed the system. Um, but I think he changed the system to cope with Al Aguero and De Bruyne and be able to play without Jesus as well. Um, and that's what helped them on that incredible run. Yeah. But I think now he's got Aguero and De Bruyne back. I think he's struggling to seamlessly fit them back in again. Yeah. And um... I, think, I think in this game. 
because I think what he's done, he's he's got his big players back in. He's obviously played Jesus up front. And I think it was too regimented with the selection. I think his, because Man City are at their best where they're, where they're really fluid and everything's sort of mixing. But in this game, he's, he's got a very set formation of players with two two wingers that you know exactly what they're going to do. You've got a striker. I know Jesus isn't your, your typical number nine, but he's still more of a number nine than we've seen maybe playing De Bruyne as a false nine or even Foden, who I definitely think should have played. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just, it was uh, too structured. I just think, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but I think if you're going to, if you've got Aguero and De Bruyne on the bench, you need them, especially in the game. Jesus gave away the penalty. Yeah, that was such a poor... I think he's given away the ball earlier on in the move and he and he's, he's run back like Jesus does, but it's such a silly challenge because I think Martial, he's not going anywhere. He's running into stones. He's literally running into another Man City player who's probably going to take the ball off him. Exactly. And he's, he's so silly. Especially with Stones' this form this season and Martial, you've got to take those both into account. I know at the time you don't have time to start getting your calculator out, working this, that out. But, you know, just... Let the defenders do the tackling in my eyes. Like it was early on in the game, nerves were highest at that point, and it really helped United. That Luke Shaw deserves all the credit. I'd say probably best player on the pitch, especially for United. But I, I think as well for United in that in that first ten minutes, for 10, 15 minutes, they really got at City. To be fair to them, even without the penalty, they really went off the front foot. I think they shocked City with how. Because a lot of teams just go into it knowing that City are going to control the ball, but for that first fifteen minutes, Ollie was brave and he, he was like, "Let's just let's shock them." And they had another chance with Shaw in that first fifteen minutes, which was straight at Edison. But yeah. they really were impressive, and that really sort of changed how the game was going to go after that. Ollie just went balls to the wall, really, didn't he? For the, the first ten, uh, a lot of people think Ollie doesn't have any idea what he's doing. I, I'd say he does know what he's doing, otherwise he wouldn't be. You know, it's not a fluke, is it? Uh, City didn't look awful, especially not as awful as some teams this this weekend. Uh, Rodri played quite well, I think. There's only one way that you can go from the top, and that's down. It was going to happen at some point. But all all the credit goes to United in my eyes. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think so. City, did they they dominated like they would most games after that brief period, but... That's exactly what Man United wanted them to do and let them do. And that's all credit to them. Like you say, Shaw was quality again. And it, the balance between Shaw and Wan-Bissaka on those, in those fullback roles is oh, really yeah, well. at the moment with Wan-Bissaka, who just pocketed Sterling, which we've seen so many times in that particular duel. Um, and then you've got Shaw just yeah. up and down that wing all game long. And I, I thought he was quality, yeah. Seem like a bit of a bogey player for Sterling. He can't whenever he comes up against him, he always struggles, doesn't he? Um, I, I think he's stubborn as well. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think Sterling, Sterling's just like, right, I need to beat him. I need to beat him. But he, maybe, maybe he can just either over swap wings and have a go at Shaw, or come inside a bit more. But he's just like, he's just like, he wants to get one over on him. Yeah, hundred percent. That's maybe not what the best idea, but. Ollie is is the only manager that uh, Pepper's faced that he's lost more than he's won now. So, yeah, um, he's got his number. I think it was uh, Arsenal Invincibles. 
I think it might have been something to do with Chelsea as well, and the and you know, City's unbeaten runs have all been beaten by United now. So, you know, as much as they've been a bit poor by Man United's senses in the last ten years, considering the rest of their history, they're still up there. Really, you got to, you can't just brush them aside ever. Uh, Ollie's just the sort of guy who you know everyone's like, oh, United can't even win against the top six. Nil, 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 nil. Nope, they come out and beat top of the league who aren't just top of the league because they're lucky they're running away with the league. Come out and win 2-0 and really just sort of show like we can play when we want to. So to the final game uh of the of the weekend anyway. We had the, the Chelsea games just finished 2-0, um, which puts them fourth and Everton's uh sixth uh, as it stands with West Ham currently playing, and that's nil-nil against Leeds. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the last game of the weekend was uh, Spurs four, Palace one. Yeah, wow. Um, um, Gareth Bale, Harry Kane, Jolman Son all playing brilliantly. Um, especially Harry Kane, I think, deserves the most credit out of the three at the moment, in my eyes. Yeah, I, I think Spurs Spurs have been, been impressed this this week. They've they've had important fixtures, not not necessarily difficult fixtures. Because they had bit, they had come off a, a difficult patch of form, but they've had three games against lower opposition and they've won all three, um, yeah. and and that's a really big boost for them because they've got uh, obviously an important Europa League tie. I think it's Dynamo Zagreb on Thursday, um, and one of the better routes into the Champions League, but they're not far off now. Um, and then they've got the North London derby at the weekend as well. So those three three lots of wins could really boost the confidence. And uh, this was a great performance. Dominated the first half, but got pegged back before half time, and then Kane and Kane and Bale combining again in the second half, and that the third goal, Bale's uh, uh, Kane's goal was absolutely yeah, wow, world class. How did he not? Honest to God, he's just he's just he's not even looked at the goal. He literally just he just that is the definition of striker instinct. He just knew where the goal was and just hit it first time. Matt Doherty was probably waiting for the ball to come back to him in some, but no, Kane just hit it, caught Gaeta off guard, didn't even know it was going in. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> and then after that, um, Son has set up Kane for the fourth quite unselfishly, and that's that's now their their fourteenth uh, combination for a goal this season, which is the record for any any two duo in a season. Yeah, did it in eleven less games as well. Really, just showing how Mourinho has taken the problem that people were arguing with Poch being, you know, Kane, Son plays better when Kane's not there. And Mourinho has just sort of taken it and been like, well, look what they can do together. Yeah, and especially with Bale coming into that now, I think Son just wanted that assist because he's getting a bit of jealous of Kane and Bale setting each other up. Um, well, but um, yeah, I think... Uh, even Lucas was really good. For, he's just uh, buzz, buzzing around quite a lot of energy in that midfield, and Ali was sort of sort of coming back to form as well. We've seen so if they can keep those attacking options uh, firing, then uh, they're looking good for the running. Yeah, definitely are. Palace Palace front, not really much to say. They were kept themselves in it in the first half. A good header from Benteke to get back in it. Doherty definitely uh, should have uh, closed down the cross though. Um, and I think that's perhaps one of the reasons uh, Mourinho prefers Aurea at the moment when he's fit. Um, just Who do you prefer? 
I'd say Aurier as well. I think Doherty's good, and I think in a Wolves system, he's quality, but he's one of those right-backs that's he's been trained in a system to play in a five, and, and now he's got if he's got to play in a four, he's not as strong. Yeah, because, like, the Doherty, the Doherty at Wolves was probably one of the better right-backs in the league at his time. But since he's joined Spurs, he's really struggled to hit the heights that he did. A lot of people thinking, you know, when you go to a better club, you're going to play better. I guess it's just the difference in systems, really, I guess. Yeah, I think that can happen to I, I think that was the only question when he left is, is, is he able to play? Because that wall system was so, like last season, there was no change in that. It was just that straight five and he was able to attack so often down that right-hand side. So maybe his defensive capabilities are coming a bit undone. Now he's got to play in a four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, Palace didn't really offer anything in the second half, but they were just undone by moments of class from Spurs, really. Uh, the only positive for them is Zaha's back. Um, as he went off, in, I don't know if he was injured at half-time or, or it was just a like-for-like replacement. Um, but the main thing is Zaha's back for Palace. And that's like the, only the best news that Palace can really hope for at the moment. I saw this... This ridiculous uh, Twitter account say that Eze goal was guaranteed or something. But I'm never gonna gonna predict Eze doing anything ever again. Uh, after that, I've learned my lesson. At the corridor pod, if anybody's interested in watching championship, um, not too many talking points. Um, QPR back to winning ways, dominating Bristol City, lovely stuff. Um, Norwich are just absolutely flying. There's no doubt they're heading back to the Premier League. They're 10 points clear um, at the top. Uh, Pukki can't stop scoring. Cantwell on the score sheet regularly at the moment. I'd say they're, they're a given. If you're going to put money on someone to come up, it's got to be them, surely. Yeah. Um, and then another one of the contenders is uh, Swansea, but a bit of controversial uh, a few games for those. that They... Uh, they got a 2-1 win against Middlesbrough, uh, who were chasing the playoffs at the moment, with a, a, a penalty in the 97th minute, which was scored by Andre Ayew. Never a penalty. Um, they also had a goal a, against them, which was disallowed, uh, which should never have been disallowed. And then in the week as well, uh, on Wednesday, they scored a 96th minute penalty, again, Andre Ayew, which was again never a penalty. So... Uh, the poor EFL refereeing has really uh, come up uh, clutch for Swansea in recent weeks, but I, I guess they'll take it. But Neil Warnock was definitely not happy with that at all in his press conference afterwards. <laughs> of course he was. Um, and, and he definitely shouldn't be, because there was a, a, a very few poor decisions. Um, but yeah, not... not... I want Barnsley. Yeah, we spoke about uh, Barnsley briefly uh was it last week? Yeah. I think so. And then they beat us in midweek as well. Yeah, they've been... They're sick yeah, now, the Above... Imagine if they were to come up. It would, it would be a great story. Like we, like we said last week, that's one of the stories of the season. And if they can they can manage that, that would be incredible. Especially, like you say, with the size and the, the spending power some of those teams have got, haven't been in the Premier League recently. To, for them to be for yeah. them to be even be in the conversation is a great achievement they're the only other team apart from Norwich who've got five wins in yeah. a row and then into League One our boys Doncaster they've been in the news recently uh, but getting a big 2-1 win against Plymouth um, 
they've lost a manager, or I should say we've lost now, really. Um, Darren Moore, um, yeah. formerly of West Brom, he's gone to Sheffield Wednesday, which is a, which is a strange one, really, because Doncaster in, in the playoffs yeah. of League One at the moment, obviously that's no guarantee that you're going to stay there, and even if you get there, go up. But he's moved to Sheffield Wednesday, admittedly a big club, and in the championship, but it's it's an unstable club at the moment. There's all sorts of things going on off the pitch. Um, they're in a relegation scrap. Um, and he's, he's gone in there, lost his first two games, and come the end of the season, he might end up getting relegated and be completely jobless. Um, and with Doncaster potentially going up, he was in a safe job uh, with a board that was going to back him, and he's pretty much gone into the opposite. A really odd decision, really, in my eyes, especially... With all things considered, Sheffield uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but also on, on that, uh, Doncaster, Andy Butler, uh, who I'm formerly of also, yeah. Um, he's, he's He's been knocking around Doncaster for a while and he, he's come oh, in awesome. and taken the reins and taken uh, first two games. He's two tough games as well and two wins. So really good, really good start to life as manager for him. Um, into Serie A, quite a, a boring week uh, for so far. Um, Juve beat Lazio 3-1 in sort of the bigger game. Uh, but the main thing to take from that cause, uh, was the uh, fact Ronaldo has only started on the bench and played 20 minutes. So we should uh, fully expect to see a uh, trademark Ronaldo masterclass as uh, Juve looked to overcome Porto in the Champions League second leg, being 2-1 down. Yeah, um, you know, if you want anyone to get you out of trouble, specifically in the Champions League, I guess a lot of people would want Ronaldo. He's a big game player, probably the biggest big game player in the world. I, I'd like to argue that in, well, I argued that on the uh, Unpopular Opinion uh, podcast the other day. But, you know, Ronaldo's a big player and they've got the job done without him. Murata got a brace. And, you know, if you don't need to play him, why risk it? Yeah, especially with this game. We've seen him come back. I think it was against Atletico before we've seen him come back from second leg, uh, like from losing the first leg. I think Wolfsburg as well. We had, did he score a hat-trick in that game, I think, um, to come back in, in Champions League. Yeah, definitely, a, a, I think, a Juve win on the cards, but we'll get into the predictions in a second. Um, but other than that, Roma, Napoli and Milan all picked up expected wins. Um, Inter are facing Atalanta at the moment, um, which I think could be a potential banana skin uh, for Inter. I just looking back at the Atalanta previous games where they faced big sides: Roma, Milan, Lazio, Liverpool, Ajax, Napoli. Yeah, they've beaten. had big wins and uh, draws as well to Inter uh, and Juve this season. So really can trip up the big guys, um, and I can potentially see that firing up the uh, title race a bit more. Yeah. Really, really close. Probably the most close after the French League uh, in terms of title challenges this season. Um, Into look like they're going to get it in the end. Another uh, 10 in a row, I think that would be stopped, like we mentioned earlier with the Scottish League. But uh, yeah, nobody's out of the race yet I'd argue of the three at the top anyway Juve Inter and AC Milan so it'd be interesting to see what goes on there yeah um, then into Spain was was the 
two two talking points really is obviously the uh, Atletico Real game, which finished level. Um, Real Madrid uh, undefeated undefeated at the Wanda Metropolitano since it's opened. Um, but maybe maybe they would have wanted the three points, but I think they'll take it at the end of the day, even though they dropped a third with the Barcelona result. I think Barcelona out of the three top teams will probably be the most pleased with that result. Yeah, I agree completely. It's points off both your biggest title challenges, isn't it? Uh, Barca could easily come out and win this league now. Um, Atletico got a game in hand, of course, but you know Barca have proper picked up recently. Especially if they're going to be getting out of the Champions League, which the other two aren't as obvious, I, I, you could say. Um, yeah, I, I think five, yeah, five points separating them at the moment between the top three, and that's very exciting. When a few weeks ago it looked like Atletico might run away with it, um, Barcelona all looking up there at the moment. Got their new president, of course, which look maybe he'll uh, persuade Messi to stop uh, messing about and sign the contract. And uh, might see a bit more of a positive atmosphere around Barcelona. And if they can get a, a league title to win alongside that, um, even if they do bow out the Champions League in the week, um, it could be looking up, especially con- compared to the recent times. Yeah, 100%. Messi's top goal scorer still after somebody, after people saying he's having the worst season of his career. Uh, honestly, Barca aren't out yet. I wouldn't count them out. Unless, of course, we're talking about the Champions League. I think they're probably out there and then. But uh, it easily can win this league now. Yeah, it is really all to play for. Uh, Obviously, in Atletico's hands. But, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Suarez, obviously, was, well, your tale of your two talisman, really. Suarez getting his goal for Atletico. He's been in great form. And Benzema hasn't been too bad himself. I think that's, I think in... He's now the highest non-Spanish appearance holder for Real Madrid. So, tick that little record off for him. Um, and I think I think it was Roberto Carlos prior to that. Um, so he's, yeah, he scored the 88th minute as well. Like, honestly, I think I predicted it the other day. I predicted a 1-0 win to Atletico Madrid. So, you know, when, when they were 1-0 up in the 88th minute or whatever it was, was until Benzema scored it really did look like the classic sort of Atletico performance where they'll get an early goal and then just defend yeah but it was not to be um, and then like we said earlier no no uh, French no, league action no French uh, league action this week but we did have uh, a cup upset to talk about only one but Marseille who are in a bit of disarray at the moment um they got a new manager coming in for the next game, but this game, uh, they lost to fourth tier side Canet Roussillon, who beat two beat Marseille two one. Um, and I think that whoever that new manager is coming into the next game has got a big old mess to clean up to sort that out. Really should not be losing that game at all. But other than that, all we've got to do is the uh, prediction to uh, Champions League and uh, Europa League for the midweek. Uh, obviously got the first tie, first leg ties um, to consider for the Champions League ones. So what are you going for for the second leg for Dortmund-Sevilla? Um, it's a bit like the one we had a few weeks ago with Grealish and, well, Aston Villa and Leeds and if Grealish plays or not. I think it will depend if Haaland plays. I think he's been probably their best player for a while. 
Um, so I'm going to go two all. That is I can see Sevilla. And I think if Haaland plays, Dortmund should get through to the next round. But if he doesn't, I could easily see Sevilla sneaking it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a really good chance for Sevilla to come back there. Um, and yeah, I've gone for one also. Same, same end result. Um, hmm. But yeah, I, that could really go either way. Um, unlike this next one, which I can only see, like I said earlier, uh, Ronaldo masterclass in the Champions League um, against Porto. They're 2-1 down. I don't think that matters. I think they'll win 3-0. 3-0? Yeah. I've gone 2-1 to Juve, meaning yeah. they'd have to go to extra time, I believe. Yeah. And I think Juve will pull pull through. Okay. But 2-1 is your after 90 minutes score. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you've got Liverpool-Leipzig, which we've discussed. Uh, Liverpool, no confidence at the moment. Uh, they are 2-0 up on, on the night, but on aggregate anyway. But will they hold on? I think they will, but I've gone nil-nil. Yeah. Um, I'm really not sure about... I think this is this is why I've got the same sort of thought process for this as that Liverpool-Everton game. I think if Liverpool score first or they can hold on till half-time, then they'll be absolutely fine. But if they... If Leipzig can knock their confidence early, then then I can see Liverpool falling apart. Yeah. The only thing I would say, which is why I've gone for my prediction, I've gone, I've gone for a 2-1 Liverpool win. And I've yeah. gone for that because I think Leipzig kind of how they play and they generally go at teams no matter who they're playing against. I think that sort of might help Liverpool be able to use their pace on the break a bit more, which they've been struggling to use recently. So I've gone for a 2-1 Liverpool win. Hopefully. <laughs> but that's another one I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Leipzig turned that around. Yeah. Um next game seems to be more of a pride match in my opinion. Yeah. Barca PSG. Currently four one to PSG. So what do you think? I've gone for two one Barcelona. I think they'll get they'll get the uh get a win. But I, I don't think, yeah, like you say, it's to it looks too point. far away to be uh, to be turning around. Although we have seen PSG fall apart before, especially to Barca in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, I've gone two 0 I think it's a game of pride, really. Like two 0 to Barcelona or PSG. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know, I can't see them ever repeating what they did that one year, especially without you know players like Neymar and Suarez on the side for Barcelona. Uh, Messi can't do it all on his own and Barca seem relatively poor. But, you know, I reckon they could, you know, 4-3 doesn't look half as bad as 4-1. Yeah, and you never know when when you get to to that stage where it's getting a bit close and PSG's minds are still in that, uh, going back to that previous uh, comeback. Maybe you'll have a few nerves. You never know. Yeah, I could just see Barca crashing out again. They've really been poor in the Champions League in recent years. So this could be either the year where they finally get on the right side of the uh, media. But it's more likely than not that they are going to be on the wrong side again, I reckon. Yeah. Um, And finally, into the Europa League. Uh, Quite a few ties to choose from. And obviously these are... Fresh games, no no legs 
previous to this, um, but we've gone for United Milan, Man United Milan to for this one. Yeah, um, I've got a really detailed prediction for this one for you. Uh, okay. Zlatan to score first, but 3-1 to United. Wow. <laughs> any detailed, any but, reason for that? Well, to see him scoring against his old club. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I'm going quite boring. I, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Man United win. Ooh. I think they'll be quite resolute. Uh, Milan will look to just take a, take a point back, but I, I can see a, a goal from Man United coming from somewhere and I think they'll be on a high after the weekend. So I reckon they'll take that one. Yeah, I agree. I think they're probably going to get through the next round. Uh, no disrespect to Milan, but United have probably got the stronger team. Yeah, that's all for today's episode. I think there might have been a few audio issues, but I'll try and sort them out. Um, but we will be back on, I think, Thursday for the next episode, um, where we'll be ranking another position, uh, which will be interesting. Um, yeah. But until then, goodbye. Thanks Thank for listening. You. See you later.